Heavenly Father, we have sung joy to the world. The Lord is come. This is a season where we do sing and we celebrate the joyous arrival of our Savior. But the reality is for some that are here today and some watching in this moment, that joy is gone because of their circumstance, because of crisis or pain in this moment. And I pray that through your word today that we would learn that you have come and it is something to celebrate, but you often use our crisis and our pain not to deliver us from them, but for our faith to be in you so that in us, courage and faith would be developed in the midst of that. So I pray for those watching and for those here that are in that moment, may joy come in you. Not an emotion, not an unrealistic expectation, but in a person that you are with us in this moment. Amen and amen. So last week we began a new series called The Faith of Joseph, and we're looking at the text in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24, and we looked at the two first verses of that chapter, and it led us to discover that Joseph's faith led him to be both a righteous man and a kind man. And we understood that in Jewish culture, betrothal meant far more than our 21st century modern day engagement, that it was something that was very contractual. And so understandably, when Joseph finds out that his his wife, the Bible says, even though they were betrothed, they were referred to each other as husband and wife, when he found out Mary was pregnant, he understandably um, what became very emotions and upset and, and had not understood that the angel of the Lord was going to appear and that this child would be birthed by the Holy Spirit. And so he decided to divorce her quietly and that he had two options. Option one, which have really would have publicly shamed Mary and even led potentially to her death. He decided not to do that, but being a righteous man to go ahead and divorce her, he responded in kindness by deciding in his heart to divorce her quietly in front of couple witnesses. And we learned from Joseph's faith that a faith that leads you to do the right thing the wrong way really isn't a faith at all. But it's righteousness and kindness that should be the pursuits or are the pursuits of those who live by faith. And as people of faith, we must never compromise the standards of God which are found in his word. Regardless of changes in culture or pressure of society. However, when those two worlds collide, God's righteousness and culture, we must respond in compassion and kindness without compromising God's word. So today, as we continue in our text, we're going to continue to look at Joseph of the Christmas story and see and discover another characteristic of his faith that's found in Matthew. And this should challenge us all when we're faced with difficulties in crisis like I understand some of us are. And we're talking about courage, how faith leads us to being courageous people. And here is the reality that Joseph learned and that we must learn. Our courage will be tested and developed through crisis. Yet by faith, 
we can have courage to trust God in knowing he is always with us. Would you stand today for the reading of God's word? Let's stand together. We are going to read together Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. It's on the screen and the back wall for us. Let's read this together. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You may be seated. Thank you. God allowed Joseph to struggle through his crisis for a season before he revealed his purpose. Joseph considered everything. He was in the midst of this crisis and he considered everything and Joseph made his own plans. And those own plans were to divorce Mary quietly and he responds in both righteousness and kindness. However, this whole time, as we know from reading all of scripture and from understanding the whole story, God had something else completely in mind. God had a different plan than Joseph's. Think of this. God didn't have to do it this way. How many know it would have been a lot easier if God would have waited to the evening before Mary and Joseph were to be married? He could have waited to that night and said, Mary and Joseph, tomorrow you're getting married. And Joseph, Mary, just so you know, tonight the Holy Spirit is going to conceive and marry a child. But don't worry, no one will know because they'll do the math and nine months later and Joseph, they're going to think you're the father. How many understand that would have been a lot easier? God didn't do it that way. Or God could have at least given Joseph a heads up before Mary got pregnant. I mean, if I was Joseph, I'd have been like, Lord, you could have sent the angel of the Lord to me before I found out from Mary. It would have been a lot easier to swallow or take, but God didn't do it that way. That, those two ways would have been easier, but he didn't do it that way. Isn't that how God often works in our life? Sometimes it just doesn't come off easy. He allows us to go through crises. He, is a, he allows us to deal with difficulty without any heads up, without any warning, without any angel of the Lord warning us. And he gives us the freedom to respond to those difficulties and to make our own plans before he reveals what his plans are. Look at this verse that we just read. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Now, don't miss these first verses that we just read. The Bible said that Joseph considered his options and he had determined in his heart what the next step forward was. But all of a sudden, once he determined his steps, then God sends an angel of the Lord and he appears to Joseph in a dream. And Joseph's faith, this is so important, Joseph's faith in God led him to demonstrate incredible courage by setting aside his own plans and taking up God's. 
realize that for Joseph to change, to veer from what his plans were to divorce Mary and to pick up God's plan showed incredible courage and faith. I mean, the pressure from the family, the pressure from his community, the pressure from society and fear of how this would decision would impact him, would impact Mary, would impact his family, not just in that moment, but for generations to come was very real. And so for Joseph to do anything different than to divorce Mary, even in to show kindness, would have taken an incredible amount of courage. In fact, while Joseph courageously obeyed God by taking Mary as his wife and becoming the adoptive father of Jesus, it did indeed, it impacted Joseph's reputation, it impacted Mary's reputation, and it even impacted Jesus' reputation in the years to come. The Bible reveals the effects of Joseph's courageous obedience in Scripture. Understand that rumors of the circumstance in which Jesus was born were flying years after in the middle, Jesus was in the middle of his ministry. Even in the midst of Jesus' ministry when he was 30, 31, 32 years old, rumors of the circumstance of his birth were flying. Some 30 years later, we see the effects as written in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John. For example, let me show you what I mean. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is preaching in the synagogue of his hometown, Nazareth. Jesus is preaching there, and the small town community who knew of the conditions in which Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary responds to Jesus' teaching by saying this, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, speaking of Jesus, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? These are people in Jesus' hometown, Joseph's hometown in Nazareth, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus. Now go back. Don't miss this. You highlighted in green, the son of Mary. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the people in the community asked? We need to recognize that by calling Jesus the son of Mary, this was an insult to Jesus in that culture. In first century Jewish culture, you never would have referred to someone as the son of their mother's name. That was an insult. If anything, it, we, Jesus would have been Jesus, the son of Joseph. Even if Joseph, even if a person's father was dead, they would have referred to as Jesus son of Joseph. So by seeing them say, son of Mary, they would have been taking a shot at Jesus, understanding that Joseph really wasn't his father. There were rumors circulating. This would have taken effect 30 years after Joseph had made this courageous decision. And in John chapter 8, there's a, there's a, a portion, of, you can read this later in John chapter 8, where Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees are getting into a who's your daddy argument. And it's actually really hysterical if you go back and read it. And they're, and they're really, Jesus is debating with them on whether or not they are actually children of Abraham. If they can, they can testify that they are children of Abraham. And the scribes and the Pharisees just take a low blow. They just take a low shot at Jesus. Catch this. In John chapter 8, verse 41, in the midst of this argument between Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees, arguing about whether or not they are really sons of Abraham, they attack Jesus and they say this. They said to Jesus, well, we were not born of sexual immorality. 
we have one father. You catch that? They're basically losing the argument with Jesus and all of a sudden they try to drop the mic and go, well, we weren't the one that was born out of sexual immorality. So do you see and understand like even years later, the decision for Joseph to stay married to Mary and to be the adoptive father of Jesus was an incredibly courageous decision. It demonstrated incredible faith by listening to the voice of the Lord and responding in obedience. You see, the reality is that God wanted Joseph to wrestle through his anger towards Mary. He wanted Joseph to wrestle with his hurt feelings, with his jealousy, with his wounded pride, with his second guessing, with the thoughts that Mary could have betrayed him. He wanted him to face rumors, to face accusations that were false. He wanted him to endure, Joseph that is, the amount of suffering at least for a little while. Now why would God want Joseph to do this? Because it is in this crisis that Joseph's courage was developed and was demonstrated. And how many would understand that this is really difficult for all of us? There's no other way to say it than this. Sometimes God wants his children. Sometimes God wants you and I to experience crisis and pain. Now, it's not the crisis and pain that he desires for us. It is what crisis and pain and difficulties produce in us. There is always a purpose in our pain. I love what author and pastor Samuel Chan says. He says that pain is the classroom for growth. Do you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3? How many remember that? Okay, Miss Tracy's here. I'm sure she has taught that in children's ministry to our kids. And you remember the story of these three Hebrew children, okay? The Israelites are in slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And these three children are, Hebrew children are told, you will bow down to this big golden statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Which was idolatry. And for a Jewish person, they never would have done that. So they stand up against the king. They stand up and they do the righteous thing which really was treason at that point. And so now they're facing a fiery furnace and they show great courage by doing the right thing, but they get thrown into the fire anyway, only to have Jesus be there with them in the fire and to save them. Now, when we listen to that story, when we read that story, and oftentimes when we teach that story with the flannel grams, remember the flannel grams? Do we still have flannel grams anymore? You know, anyway, oftentimes we teach that and we read that story. And the lesson that we take is that God saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from suffering. Okay. Now I would say this, God saved them from death. I don't believe he saved them from suffering. Here's what I mean. God allowed these three Hebrew boys to endure the worst part of the fiery furnace. I would say that it wouldn't have been death in that moment. I mean, they might have had pain for a split second when they were thrown in. We remember how hot it was. But I would say they had to wrestle. The, the, the pain and the suffering and the stress would have been the anticipation of being thrown into the fire. You know what I mean? 
God did not deliver them from the moment and the crises where they had to demonstrate courage. He showed up at the very last minute and saved them from death. The worst part, the fearful part, was making the right decision in the midst of the crisis. We can look at those verse Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, saying how they won't bow down to the statue. For if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. You're probably familiar with this voice, this verse. They said, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar. But then look what they followed that up with. They go, we're not going to bow because the God we serve will save us. And then they followed up this. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that they have set up. Know this. Faith itself is not being 100% certain. We see it in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, in one sentence, they declared, our God will save us. But in the next breath, even if he doesn't, you can't tell me that there wasn't a creep of doubt in their mind. Of course there was. But their faith was not in the outcome. Their faith was in God himself. Remember, faith is not rooted in the outcome. It's not rooted in what happens. Our faith is rooted in loyalty and allegiance to a person. And that person is Jesus, the one who is always with us. You cannot demonstrate courage without crisis. Joseph would not have been able to demonstrate courage by doing the right thing if there wasn't difficulty in crisis there. Let's go to the next verse in Matthew. After the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, the Bible says in 21 that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. I'm sorry, Donna, go back one. You will call his name Jesus. Do you know what the name Jesus means? Jesus means he who saves. The one who saves. The angel of the Lord comes and tells Joseph, Joseph, you're going to have a child. You're going to be the adoptive father. And I want you to name him Jesus, the one who saves. And you see, for the people of Israel at that time, we've talked about this a lot. They were expecting a Messiah, someone to come and save them from what? To save them from oppression, to save them from slavery, to save them from the Roman government, to save them from being poor, to save them from hunger. They had all of these expectations that Jesus was going to come. And here, the Bible says that Jesus is going to be his name, the one who saves but this next verse, we find out what Jesus will save us from. And that is, for he will save his people from their sins. We often make the same mistake that the Israelites made back then. We expect Jesus to come and save us. And Jesus does save us. But it's not from crisis. It's not from difficulty. It's not from pain or suffering. It's not that he comes to just remove us from all of that. He comes to save us from our sins. That's why Jesus came. He saves us from our sins. Finally, this word says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet 
prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So on one hand, you have the angel of the Lord telling Joseph, you're going to name your son Jesus the one who saves. And then Matthew connects back to the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah says that they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. So when I ask you today, are you stressed? Are you filled with anxiety in this season? Have you lost your job? Are you struggling with finances? God is with you. Are you struggling in your marriage? God is with you. He is Emmanuel. Did you lose a loved one this year and are mourning? Thanksgiving was tough and Christmas you know is coming and there'll be that empty seat at the table. You need to know that God is with you. If you're struggling with sickness and disease, God is with you. No matter whatever the midst of the crisis or the difficulty or the suffering is, God is with you. And our courage, your courage will be tested and it will be developed through crisis. Yet by faith, we can have courage to trust not in an outcome, but in a person. A person who is always with us. Our, our, our faith is in Emmanuel. We, our faith is in a person whose very name means God is with us. Let me encourage you by this psalm, Psalm 31, verse 24. So be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. All of you who put your hope, who put your faith in the Lord. We learn from Joseph's faith that God doesn't remove the crisis. He doesn't remove the suffering. Often it's before. <laughs> we suffer that before. And then in the middle of that, we have to have courage to do the right thing and to obey and to be willing like Joseph to change our plans because our faith is in a person. It's not in an outcome. Here's what I would like to do. I recognize that there are some here today and you're in the midst of that. And I don't know what that courageous decision is for you, but I would love for us to pray with you. So if that's you right now and maybe you feel like Joseph before he found out, that this baby would be conceived from the Holy Spirit. Would you be cur courageous in this moment and stand so we can pray for you? If you're dealing with a difficult circumstance and you need courage right now, you need the faith of jo Joseph and courage to do the right thing. For those that are here that someone's standing by you, would you just step near them and lay hands on them? Go ahead, there's a few. I just want every person who's standing in this room today to have somebody praying for them. I want to encourage those who may be watching online in this moment. If you would, just open your hands like this. We're going to pray for you as well. Just want to pray for those who are facing crisis and difficulty that God would give you courage. Lord, you see the faith of those who have stood. I don't know their circumstance. I don't know what they're facing. I don't know the pressure or the anxiety. But you do. You are a God who sees and you are a God who is with us. You are Emmanuel. This is the season in which we celebrate your presence, never leaving, never forsaking, always being with us when we don't see it and when we don't feel it.
So I pray for those that are standing in this moment. I pray for those that are watching online that right now I ask that you would give them courage, that through faith they would make the right decision. Even if there's doubt, even if there's uncertainty like the Hebrew children, if they could say, I trust that God will save me. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to do the right thing. So Lord, we agree with them in faith, in loyalty and allegiance to you. Would you meet them right where they are in the name of Jesus? Amen.